Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. My name is Ryan Cabrera. I'm your co-host, and I am in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom. Shalom. Wow. All right. So uh, you're here. You're listening to this. The podcast is called Christians with Torah. Why? Why are you here? Why are you watching this on YouTube or on Facebook? Why are you listening to this? The reason is because God has a message for you. And the message is that the Torah is relevant for today. God's teachings, instructions, loving instructions from a father to his children. Good fathers instruct their children. And our father is the best father. And so I would think that he would have good instructions for us. Wouldn't you think so? I've heard Rabbi Messer say that the Torah is the mind of God. Yeah. Listen, I I believe it wholeheartedly. I'm very excited. It's at least insight into the mind of God. Amen? Absolutely. At least insight into the mind of God. So we've got a lot of things going on out there in the world right now. Uh, We're praying for the election. Uh, There's some lawsuits going on in different states, some accusations of fraud. Uh, We who are just sitting out here in the, the nosebleed seats, we really have no idea what's going on, what's real, what's not. Um, whether there was fraud, whether there wasn't fraud. And so my prayer is that they're going to get to the bottom of it, that we're going to have results called before the Electoral College votes in December, and we're going to know that this was a clean and fair election, whichever way that it goes. You know, that's the whole thing. I mean, if they could do that, I'll, I'll be at peace. But either way, if they don't uncover any kind of fraud or, or anything like that, you know, I'll be happy because the Father is going to put into office who he wants. That's right. That's right. And who's and who's going to pray if we don't pray? Amen. Because the prayers of a righteous man availeth. You know, like I said, you know, some people say, you know, hey, you know, I'm a I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm a you know, I'm an independent. You know, hey, I'm an Israelite. Amen. Grafted in. Amen. And we have the Torah as our constitution. That's right. And the Torah makes everything better. It sure does. Everybody around you better. And, you know, the Torah, we're supposed to hide it on our hearts. It's written on our hearts. Amen. And so. Everything, all the laws, everything, everything would go better. There would be peace in the land if people would get the Torah in their hearts and see right. it as something that they were supposed to be obedient to and do, and we would all Remember, be doing a, a lot better. Remember, that's a sign of the Messiah's coming, too. Ooh, that's right. You know, I was just thinking about this. What's one? Uh, let me just read this one little verse here. Ooh. I was just thinking about this. We got the wheels turning. Yeah, well, here's the thing, and this is what I, wanted, this is what I would say to Christians or to Christianity or all the evangelicals out there. All it is, it's, it's Acts chapter 3, verse 21. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So this word restitution is restoration. Yeah. So let's just look at it like this. Don't you think there's a lot of things that have to be restored back to Christianity that they did not have? Amen. 
And I know even in Jeremiah says we've inherited lies from our fathers. Right. So I want to put this out to all of you that we are seeing the restoration of many things. Geographically speaking, in the land of Israel, the people of Israel, we're seeing that. We're also seeing uh, uh, like, like the Torah being restored back to us, the feast days, the Shabbat, the dietary laws, these simple things. Biblical Judaism, we're seeing this being restored. And so I just want to throw that out to all of you. You know, it's a great question to ask, okay, if, if there still has to be more restoration or restitution, then what does that consist of? Amen. You know, I, I saw a little clip of an interview uh, with uh, Brad Scott, you know, may his memory be a blessing. Um, and he was talking about how he was, he just had this light bulb, you know, he had talked about 100 watt light bulbs, he had this light bulb or whatever go off. And the the thing that was kind of just received in his spirit, the revelation that he got was that we have one example to follow. One. It's not a pastor. It's not a priest, right? It's not a celebrity. We have one example to follow. And yet somehow, through some sort of cognitive dissonance, we have decided to come up with every reason why not to follow the example of Yeshua. Right. And I think if you really want to properly interpret the Torah, you, you do have to go through the gospel. We just have to follow Yeshua. Yeah. I mean, he knows the Torah. All right. So let's jump into the meat. You know what they say, get off the tee and get some meat. <laughs> we're gonna get okay. we're gonna get uh, some wow. meat. So we're gonna jump into Kaye Sarah, which means the life of Sarah. Interesting little tidbit. There is a big, big event. And I'm talking to tens of thousands of people that are gonna be in Hebron uh, at the cave of the patriarchs and matriarchs this weekend on this Shabbat, and they're actually gonna like set up tents and sleep like literally around in Hebron in the streets. That's true. Um, for the tour portion, Kaye Sarah, for the Shabbat, what they call well, Shabbat Kaye Sarah. That's taking it to the next level. How awesome is that? Oh, it's it's amazing. Just think if we were in the land, uh, we would be there. We could. Possibly you would not be able to stop them. me. Yeah. Put a keeper on, I'm there. Yishai Fleischer talks about it on his podcast every year, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, just to be there in Hebron for Kaye Sarah. So this is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 23, verse 1, through chapter 25 and verse 18. Also, just a little reminder, what is really Genesis all about? It's it's the book of beginnings. Uh, there's a lot of beginnings in this particular book, the beginning of the world, beginning of the human race, beginning of sin in the world, beginning of the uh, promise of redemption, the beginning of family life. And then, of course, we have the beginning of civilization. We have the beginning of the nations of the world. And last but not least, we have the beginning of the Hebrew race through Abraham. So chapters 1 through 11 is about the race as a whole. But now we're going to really get into some, some uh, you know, we're going to get into some really good things here, uh, genealogies and things. So the family of Abraham is chapters 12 to 50. The family of Abraham is chapters 12 through 50. So let's jump right into the life of Sarah here. Uh, Ryan's going to read Genesis chapter 23, verses 1 through 4 to kick it off. All right, and it says, And Sarah was 107 and 20 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kiriat Arba. The The same is Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Wow. So how old was Sarah when she died? She was 107 and 20 years old. You know, I got to go back to my other <laughs> version of the Bible. And, what is this? Four score and yeah, yeah. You know. So she's 127 years old. Now Mike brought this out, but I've actually heard this through podcasts from rabbis um, that it, the saying is the reason why it's written out 100 because normally you do 120 and seven. 
but in this case they do 107 and 20. And the, they say the reason it's, it's spelled out this way, instead of just saying 127, is that she was as innocent at 100 years old as she was at 7, and as beautiful as she was when she was 20. And now Sarah's wow, beauty that's deep. Is, is undeniable. Uh, just noting the fact that Pharaoh was after her when she was 65, and Abimelech was after her when she was 90. So, I mean, we're just saying this woman maintained uh, her beauty all the way through her life. But let me remind you, Brian, <laughs> about beauty. Please. Usually a beautiful wife brings trouble or some <laughs> kind of controversy, <laughs> right? I mean, we're going to see this develop throughout the line here. You know we, we've saying? already seen it. Yeah, he's had to, you oh, know. Oh, yeah, even, even Rebecca. He's my sister. Right. Yeah. Even Rachel and Leah, right? Yeah, Which yeah. one did Jacob pick, you know? I got gotcha. you. So, you know, uh, it, it's like I think the one of the modern-day people, like Raquel Welch, has held her age very well. Mm-hmm. Some people have just really held their age very well. And uh, I don't even know who that is. Raquel Welch, yeah, because you're yeah. a millennialist. I would have to but Google her. But for those her. of you that are not, you know who Raquel <laughs> Welch is. So anyway, uh, anyway, so where did Sarah die? She died in Kiryat Arba. The same is Hebron. Hebron in Canaan. Uh, here's a little tidbit. Sarah is the only woman in the Bible who has her age given at death. Interesting. You know, so Sarah is the only woman in the Bible who has her age given at death. And we know that her name was changed from Sarai to Sarah. Uh, is that the letter hey was put in there? Yes. And so to give her life like breath, uh, even with Abram, was changed to Abraham. But Sarai, the connotation is a, a little bit of, a, I want to say, contentious. Right. But Sarah means princess. It so does. That's pretty cool. So Abraham spoke to the sons of Heth in regards to the burial site for Sarah. And of course, Abraham, he wanted to bury Sarah in the cave at Machpelah uh, that was owned by Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Heatite. Okay. So he's got something scoped out here. And the Hittites are the sons of Heth. That's the connection. That's there. good. The cave of Machpelah. That was owned by Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite. Now, when Ephron offered the cave of Machpelah at no cost, Abraham offered to pay for it. Mm. See, he didn't want to just be given. He right. wanted to put a value on it. Sure. You know, it's just like they say, like when you have a conference or you have an event, if it's ticketed and you have to pay for it, you're going to value it more than just inviting every Tom, Dick and Harry and everybody just comes on in. Right. But you put a value on something. And that's what he really did. And so Ephron valued the land at 400 shekels of silver, and Abraham paid for it. Um, so once again, you're, you're looking at precious metals here. Ephron valued the land at 400 shekels of silver, and Abraham paid for it. He goes, what's it to us? This thing's worth 400 shekels. You know he jacked up the price Well, listen, so, the, you know, in, I, don't, I don't remember exactly what it is in current money, right? Um, it's funny because uh, uh, Matthew Sprunt was here last night, a Torah study, and he says it's $2,300 because— Silver is twenty three dollars an ounce, a shekels an ounce, and I'm like, interesting. I don't think it. I don't think it translates that exact way, uh, because in current money, four hundred shekels of silver, meaning the value of what you could get for it, it's somewhere around like a million dollars. I've heard different numbers over time, but it's a. Let's just say it's, it's a precious metal. It's yeah. a lot of money. So here's how this goes, right? And silver is redemption, right? A- Abraham comes silver along. Silver means redemption. Abraham comes along and says, hey, I want to buy this. And he says, oh, no, I'll give it to you for free. So this is this is the negotiation process is what we're witnessing. And it's the Middle Eastern negotiation That's process. Right. And it, it's interesting. There's a couple things tied into this. But he, then he's like, well, well, tell me what it's worth, and I'll pay it. And normally when he says, you know, somebody says 400 shekels, like, oh, listen, you know it's not worth a dollar over 350, right? Normally you'd see some sort of back and forth, but Abraham just agrees to pay for it, even though— 
It's an exorbitant amount of money. Now, here's what's interesting. What we're reading here, right, black and white, right here in our Bibles, is the deed, right? Which I know we get to the fact that it's the deed, but here's what's cool. There's uh, three places go on. in the Bible Please go on. that we find. We have uh, the cave of Machpelah in Hebron, which is the cave of the matriarchs and patriarchs. Later, we have the field that Jacob purchased, which is currently in Shechem, which you can look off Jacob's the Mount well. Ephraim, and you can see the well, Jacob's and you can well. see all that there, yep. And right nearby there is the tomb of Joseph, right there by Jacob's field. And then uh, the third site is the Temple Mount, which is the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite purchased by King David. So Abraham purchases the cave of Machpelah. Jacob purchases the field where he builds the well. And also they bury Joseph. And lastly, David purchases the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite. All three of these sites are presently contested by the Palestinian Authority. They are. So what I want to know is when people are telling Israel that it's you— like this election. Well, I just—I get— There's fr- something going on. I get frustrated. And here, here's here? the reason why. Because I can read, and there's a deed here in black and white for all three of those locations. That's right. All three of those sites. So if we want to talk about Israel— from a biblical standpoint, that's true. from a faith standpoint, it's not Tel Aviv. Right. Tel Aviv is part of Israel. That's right. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Jerusalem. We're talking about Shechem. We're talking about um, Hebron. These places are indigenous lands for the Jewish people that we have a deed where they literally, even though God gave it to them, and that should have been enough, they literally paid for them. And so as such, the inheritance is given to their children and their children's children to the Jewish people is, today. This is proof that the... Uh, Jewish, uh, you know, ancestry was there. So Ephron valued the land at 400 shekels of silver, and Abraham, boy, he paid for it. Abraham not only got the cave of Machpelah, but the field as well, along with the trees. <coughs> and the children of Heth were the witnesses to the transaction made between Ephron and Abraham. Once again, Ryan made a very good point. Abraham's purchase of the cave of Machpelah in Hebron is actually a legal deed. So here's our uh, next question, Ryan, and... and you know, uh, just a, a little testimony here. When I went to the cave of Machpelah in Hebron in 2015 for the first time, mm-hmm. I could barely stand up. It was like so powerful. Yeah. So when you go into this, you know, you go into this burial ground pretty much, you know, this like 60 feet below you is where they're buried. Right. You know, and so it, it's very interesting. In the cave. You, you can see Abraham and Sarah. You can see where they're buried. Mm-hmm. You can see, of course, even... You can actually even see Jacob and, and Leah. Right. But the Palestinians, the Arabs, control Isaac and Rebecca's part of it. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of controversy. The guy was like, man, you're going to need more than a passport to get to go see that or something. Like, yeah. Because there's a lot of, there's contention there. And of course, you know. like. And I how said, strange that it's Isaac and Rebecca. I know. I mean, of all the people that they're, they disassociate so themselves when we with. So when we went there, we could only see those. But, you know, that was so powerful that place really touched me where I, I and Joanne and I looked at each other. I, t- I told her, I said, I, I can't even hardly walk. Yeah. I feel, I feel this presence of God in this place. And I've been to a lot of places and I felt his presence. I'm just saying that for me, that was like an outstanding experience. So, so here's the question, Ryan. Who is the owner to the land of Israel? Yahweh. It's the Lord. And here are some references. Leviticus 25, 23, uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 43. And of course, Joel uh, chapter 2, verses 18, and Joel chapter 3, verse 2. Uh, and so let's let's look at Joel chapter 3, verse 2, because uh, I'm going to go somewhere with this. Uh, just something to think about for those of you that are listening. 
Remember, we want to be on Team Israel. We want to be on Amen. God's side. We don't want to be on anybody else's side but God's side. And so the prophets were written so we could do this. So check this out. In Joel chapter 3, verse 2, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Ooh. So there's some interesting things going on in, the, in, in Joel. Uh, they also say that this is actually was written during the time of Nebuchadnezzar, but there's some prophecies in here as well. We won't get into that. But what I want to bring out is this. You know, as, as we get through this election, Ryan, it's been brought to my attention through Hayovel and even Lars and Arson, right, uh, that when Trump came out with his peace plan for the mm, Middle East in December, right. his peace plan had, you know, Palestinian state mentioned 300 times in his peace plan. Not going to do it. Now, what happened? <laughs> Not going to do it. Look what happened. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. That's right. They put a freeze on building in Israel and all these other things. Even Hayovel told us they can't build they can't do anything yeah you know and that's what's happened at harbaka and and and, and things that they were working on and finishing up they couldn't even finish so the interesting thing is and then a plague hits and then a plague hits yeah so what i'm saying is that if if trump doesn't get reelected, this is something to think about now why am i telling you this for those of you listening listen closely if you check out what happened in the past like ehud barak i read his memoir is very good he's the most decorated soldier in the idf for Israel, Ehud Brock was a prime minister. Uh, the, the the years I think around 2000. Well, he was in negotiations with Arafat and the PLO. He was willing to give up 90 percent of the West Bank. Arafat, this is public records, everybody. Arafat stormed out of the room because he couldn't get Jerusalem. So out of spite. So what I'm saying is that look what happened to Ehud Brock. He didn't get reelected. He's a political hack. He's yeah. Not, he's not going to win anything. Right. Now, why do I tell you that? Because what happened is, remember Ariel Sharon. He gave up Gaza for peace. He went into a coma and died. Who carried on? Ehud Olmert. He oh. was all a part of that. And he's in jail. <laughs> he was in jail. Yeah. He went to jail. <laughs> so what I'm saying is this. We have to believe as Christians that the Jews should be able to live in the land. Yeah. You have to get behind that. Everybody listening, listening to me closely. We're not anti-Arab. We're not saying Arabs got to be kicked out of the country. We're not saying no. any of that. What we're saying is that we need to believe that the Jews can live in their land. And they can have homes and communities. We need to push that and press that more than anything. We need to start th- these petitions. It's just like Christians United for Israel, I think there's seven million members. So that's these are good yeah. organizations. So I'm just saying, you know, and, and then and that's important to I know. I got to move on here, but that's important to know that, that includes Hebron, that includes Shechem, and that includes Jerusalem. Right. So, I mean, so it's a good point. So I just want to encourage all of you that let's quit all this opinions and what you think. What does God's word say? Amen. Let's get behind what God's word Amen. says. Here's the deal. That's the cool thing. If if God's promises and the word of God that we can read plainly here is not true and not effective, then what good are the pages that we hold so dearly to for the promises that God has made to us? If his word isn't true to the Jewish people, his word isn't true to us. And so when we help fight for the Jewish people to realize uh, and materialize the promises of God for them, how is it that, that God would not do the and same for us? And that's the thing, you know, and when you read the Apostle Paul, he wasn't against his people. He, he, was, he wasn't against the Jewish people at all, you know. And so I, I want to encourage you to understand that God's got a plan in, in, in the days in which we live. And there's so many false prophets out there that, mm. that we need to get back to the written prophets. And why would God give us prophecies through the prophets mm. to prove that he is God? Amen. Now, here's the thing, Ryan. If people don't believe 
the, the atheist, the unbeliever, or yeah. Christians don't want none of this. Praise God. But there are people called Ryan Cabrera. Listen, it's more for me. Pastor Nick Plummer to say, hey, look what the scriptures say. It even talks about the Gentiles coming out of the nations, helping Jewish people. So figure it out. I mean, what, what, what side are you going to take on? Whose side are you on? So as, as we move forward in this storyline, you know, and some have said that Sarah died because she heard that Abraham offered up Isaac on the altar and she had a heart attack. Oi. She just died of anguish. Wow. Like, I can't believe he took our, our son and killed him. Yeah. You know. And, and an so, angel literally had to stop now, him. <laughs> I'm not, this is not some kind of a, you know, he said, she said. I'm just saying that, you know, yeah. it, it, it's just something to think about, the anguish, you know, that she had done that. So as we move on to the next storyline, you know, when, 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 when somebody dies, something is birthed. Yeah. You know, so now we're going to see where Isaac marries Rebecca in Genesis chapter 24. We're not going to read. We're going to jump right into this because what an incredible uh, storyline, types and shadows as well. So here we go. So what did Abraham want his eldest servant, Eliezer, to do for his son, Isaac? Well, he wanted him to go and find a wife for Isaac uh, from Abraham's family in his home country of Haran. Very good. Go among his own people that he knows and find a wife for his son. Why? Because there were a lot of different ites in the land. Yeah, exactly. And they uh, worshipped other gods. And so Abraham knew what he was doing. You sure. Know, he had to have familiarity there. You got to know what you're getting, you know. Uh, what was it? Uh, Franklin uh, Delano Roosevelt married his cousin. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I just got done reading something about that. So so here's, here's the thing. What is the only way that Eliezer would be able to get out of the oath he made? So if he goes and he finds her and she's not willing to come. That's right. He's saying, listen, if the woman would not be willing to follow him, you're not bound by this oath. Yeah. She's got to be willing and you're going to go find her. Sure. This is a destiny, a fate. Right. See, and notice that Abraham's got to take these steps in order for it to be accomplished. And it's got to be done a certain way in order for it to work. Well, so, and so you know. Sarah has died. Um, and now Abraham is getting older, and I think Abraham, it's ready to, you know, maybe he's going to step into a chairman of the board role and let Isaac take the CEO role and actually kind of run operations for the family business, so to speak, right? Because at this point, now Sarah's gone. Abraham's going to go and be like, you know what, I'm going to retire, but you need a wife because, you know, this, this only promise works. that God made to us. Right, right, because yeah. we have to continue on this line. He's a child of the promise. Line. And it's funny, too, because his name means laughter. So Eliezer put his hand <laughs> under the thigh I of see Abraham. What you did there. What's that? I see what you did what there. What did I do? It's funny because his name is laughter, and it's just funny. It is funny. It's hilarious what God does. When people laugh at us, oh, you think you're Israel? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're not yeah. even Jewish. <laughs> yeah, and I'm laughing. I'd be like, is your, name, is your name Itzhak? And I'm going to be landing on this row laughing back, right? Call me Itzhak. How you like me now, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like that one rap song, You Can't Stop Me. I love that song. Anyway, Eliezer put his hand under the thigh of Abraham and swore to him concerning the matter. This is a, a cultural thing. It's, I, I would say it's like a Michael Jackson. <laughs> so basically, that's what it was. It was like, you know, we're talking about the seed of Abraham. We're talking about the, the line that's going to come from Abraham. And so this was done to confirm this oath, you know. And Eliezer, Abraham's servant, took 10 camels and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. So Interesting. Ten camels mm -hmm. looking for a bride. The ten lost tribes. You know, Mike brought this out ten. last night. The city is actually Haran, but it's the city of Nahor, which is the other brother. Interesting. So he's obviously become prominent in the city because the he's memory. going to the city of wow. Nahor. That's interesting. 
And so where did Eliezer end up when he arrived outside the city in the evening? He went to the local cantina. <laughs> That's right. The water well. Meet me at the... Meet me at the well. Yeah. Meet me at the water cooler. <laughs> By a well of water. It's a deep subject. This is a very <laughs> deep subject. So what sign from God did Eliezer look to, or uh, from God, to know which young maiden would be the wife for Isaac? So he, he threw out a fleece, man, Lord. Exactly. And what was it, right? It was a sign, because you know, this, the, Paul says that the, the Hebrews need a sign, the Greeks need reason, right? right? And so he's a Hebrew. So he throws out a sign. He says, God, yeah. whatever woman comes to me right. and offers me drink and also for my camels. Now he's got 10 camels. That's and then we right. were talking last night. Apparently to fill up a camel... It's 30 gallons. At least. At least. So we're going to talk about a 30-gallon tank. Now, here I thought they already had a tank full of water, yeah. but that's— Is that a two-humper or a one-humper? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. How many humpers you got to fill up there? I think I'd want the two-humper so I can just sit in the middle. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, my little, I got little you. Tray and my backrest. I understand. I understand. I'm just saying. I understand. I don't need no special saddle to hold my back up. But I've so, been on a camel. Let me tell you something. When you get on a camel— you know, you go up high. You do. I, we were watching um, for the new moon service last month, the that last episode of The Chosen, and you see the woman at the well when she's talking to Yeshua, and how difficult it is. I mean, you drop that bucket down, you got to pull it up, and we're talking for not just for him, because that was a lot of work if you see it, but for ten camels as well. So we're talking. That's the sign he wants. So this is a real sign. This isn't just you know, oh anybody would give him water. You know, this is a sign. That she's going to give him water and, you know, and the ten camels water. And also remember that this is this is like a, a there's some symbolism here, mm. you know, where Abraham is the father, Eliezer is the Holy Spirit, mm. and of course, who is he looking for? The bride. Uh, the bride right. is Rebecca. And so anyway, um, who came with a pitcher upon their shoulder and gave Eliezer a drink of water when he asked for it? It was Rivka, Rebecca, born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor. Abraham's brother. Wow, look at that. It all happened. It's Abraham's Divine niece. Divine appointments. Yep. Divine appointments, you know. So continue on. Share the story with us. Oh, man, I love the story. This, uh, is, I'm, I'm this is a chick flick. It is. This is this a great will story. This would be an awesome little drama or play. Yeah. You Get out your Kleenexes. Yeah, it would be. So um, what's cool is Rebecca was very fair to look upon, and she was a virgin. And after Rebecca gave Eliezer a drink of water... She watered the camel. So here we go. We're checking the boxes, all right? So she's beautiful, and she's not married, right? She's virgin, uh, and she uh, provides the water for him and for the camel. So right so far, I would say if I'm in Eliezer's shoes, I would say that my my mission is is off without a hitch so far. I arrived. I got to the well. I didn't have to go search door to door. The woman comes to me, and she does this. So because of Rebecca's kindness, Eliezer gave her a golden earring, of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of 10 shekels weight of gold. Now, when Eliezer asked Rebecca whose daughter she was, she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. Again, more boxes. So she's actually from the family of Abraham and beautiful um, and a virgin and, 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 right? So we're, we're doing everything that we need here so far. She is the one. So what is the last box that we need to check? When Eliezer asked her if there was room for him to lodge, she said, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. That's right. But what is the last, what the last box that he has to check is she has to agree to come with him. 
that's that's so we've checked check 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 that box yet he cannot check that box yet so cannot check that box so she says there's room to lodge and now we were talking about this last night it's very interesting the way middle eastern customs work i was watching a video uh about uh middle eastern arab um you know kind of tradition and part of their tradition is that if somebody shows up at your house and asks if they can stay there you have to let them stay with you for three days before you can ask them like what are you doing here Right. You can't even like hint to like, why are you here? Interesting. Just you provide them hospitality. You let them stay with you. And that's it. No questions asked. Customs and traditions. Customs and traditions. So see, that's why when you go over the Middle East, you you can't be some prideful American. No, no, no. You go over there. Like, I'll give you a little example. All right. Give me an example. Pastor Steve was telling me that she was on this one tour and this woman carried on. She tried to go up to the wall and her shoulders were showing. And they told her she has to put her. She goes, no, I don't. They dragged her away from the wailing wall, and there was wailing. Wow. (laughs) So I'll give you another one. (laughs) Are you ready for this? Now, here it is. I got to go into the Dome of the Rock back in the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was incredible, Ryan. I'm telling you, I still remember to this day how special it was. You could just feel it. And I even got to go in, in the Dome of the Rock, but you had to take your shoes off. So I don't care. Yeah, no. I'm going in there. Yeah, take your shoes off. I got, I got. You know what? I'm not worshiping. Oh, nobody. it's a holy place. It's a custom. It's a holy Somebody place. Somebody said to me, you know what? They said I'd never take my shoes off. I said, then you'll never get to see anything. Yeah, exactly right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So anyway, also when you see the eastern gate from the Garden of Gethsemane across the Kidron Valley, there, when you look from the Mount of Olives and you look at that eastern gate, mm-hmm. like 25 feet below that is the original gate. That's what blew my mind. Yeah. Because it's a tell. There's layers of civilization. Right, 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 right. Like when you're in Jerusalem in the Jewish quarter and you look at these little, you know plexiglass mounds that are standing up you can look and see down like the the layer that that jesus would have walked on incredible i know so they just bulldoze it over and pile it on bulldoze it over pile it on and that's how they build these things you know and and it was interesting because if i wasn't mistaken they said like megiddo was like 25 layers of civilization um so it's just crazy yeah i mean you know you come in and you do all that so once again, you know, uh, you want to carry on? I will. I Beautiful will. Beautiful story. It is an awesome story. So uh, what did Eliezer do as a result of meeting Rebecca? Well, I'll tell you what. It says right here, he bowed his head, worshiped the Lord, and blessed the Lord for finding his master's relative. Right. So he was grateful. Eliezer. Exactly. Eliezer is about his master's business. And so he's excited because this is going to help his master. Now, we should all be about our master's business, amen? And when we have success, we should be praising God because he's doing the things for our and, master. And you know what, Ryan? You are a good disciple. You know, Aww, I have to commend you. You're stop. like my Eliezer. Because I tell you, three years <laughs> we've done this. That's right. And you've never let me down. Aww. Aww. Never let me down. I mean, we've had some, some you know, scheduling, shuffles, scheduling, yeah. but I'm telling you, man, I feel so good that yeah. this is a God thing. And, and tell you, that's how you get things done. Yeah. It's continuity, and, and I appreciate that in you, yeah. that we have pulled this off. Yeah, well, and, and hopefully those. hopefully you guys, you know, appreciate it. I'll tell you what, you know, doing the weekly tour portions has changed my life. Um, and one of the things that I have in my life is doing this podcast. How can I miss a tour portion? There, I mean, I have accountability to do the this tour is portion. This family tree. Right. Oh, man. It's good stuff. All, All right, right. So let's, do it. let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> All right. So Rebecca, Laban. Rebecca's got a brother. Yeah. We're, we're going to introduce a new character now. Oh, yeah. All right. And we're going to see this guy again. He's a little shady. We're going to see this guy again. So uh, 
so he gives her the the golds and the jewels, right? And then he shows she shows back up. Laban, Rebecca's brother, ran out to Eliezer while he was at the well. Now check this out. He knows what's going on. He sees the gold, and he's got to go make sure that this guy who just showed up looking for a bride, he knows that this guy's got money. It's not his money, and his job is to pass it out. Right? He's got some gold. And so Laban wants to be part of that. Eliezer shared with Rebecca's family his backstory and his purpose for coming. And Laban and Bethuel responded by saying, Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. Now, wait one second. Oh, I'm awake. No, this blew my mind. I want you to see this. Where are we at? Well, basically, we're in Genesis 24. But look at this plot line here. Genesis 24... Verse 28, and the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. But look what happened. So she runs home. I see. I get it. And she tells the whole family. But look what Laban does. Remember? Yep. And Rebecca had a brother and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out into the man, into the well. He ran all the way back to the well. Yeah. To say, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Ten shekels of gold on her wrists. I mean. I mean, we don't want to get into that. I'm just saying. I mean, mean, yeah, we know later probably. We know what we know what happened. It's a character trait. Yeah, but still, the point is that man. He ran (laughs) out. You got bags of gold. You don't mean to carry that for you? It's really heavy. (laughs) What do they say? You should never, you should never question somebody's motive. Except for Laban. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when you call people out for their motives and you don't know them, that's true. You got to be careful. It's true. You know what? Uh, You know what? You're right. I shouldn't question Laban's motives. I'm sure that Laban, at this point in his life, was a great guy. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, I learned that a long time ago about give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. God gives us discernment. We, we use the term, I got a red flag, but, but we got to be careful, you know, uh, just like anything. You know, when, when some people are melancholy, they, they think, oh, this person's depressed and sad. And yeah. No, they're melancholy. You know, yeah. they're observant, they're checking things out. You know, they're, they're quiet, they're laid back, you know, like my wife's a peaceful phlegmatic and I'm a popular sanguine. So there's different variations of temperaments and, and, and you know, that's why you have these personality tests and everything. Yeah. But, but continue on in this beautiful story with Laban. Well, let me ask you something. Did Eliezer, after hearing the good news, worship the Lord and then give gifts to the family? He sure did. Yeah. So you know why? Because he was so happy, Ryan. There was no stopping this guy. He's like, he's got all these things and he's like, man. I made it. I did this. That's right. And, and he wants to give. He wants to give out the wealth. He wants to give it out. Have you ever heard the saying "money talks and everything else walks"? Right. Okay. Well, let's just say <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice way to put it, right? So he shows up, and he's got ten camels, and the camels are all packed up with stuff. Okay. So he's got stuff to give away, and he shows up. He says, "I want the daughter." And if you're gonna have to, because at some point every father has to, um, basically give their daughter away to a husband, right? He's going to marry he her off. He hasn't made that announcement. He did already. It says here, Behold, Rebecca is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken in 2451. Oh, so, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So there, now in 52 yeah, and 53, he worships the Lord and is thankful. But it's interesting because right here, everything's been going very smoothly. Nothing has happened to, to hinder so his plans. So he only gave gifts to Rebecca at this point. At first, yes. At first. Then he asks for her hand. And then he says, this is what I need from you. And they said, take her and go. Yeah. (laughs) Leave the camels. (laughs) So when he heard that, you know, that's when he was like, man, the art of the deal. That's right. That's his the game. Art of the deal. It's game time. So, He's but, not fired. But they're about to start playing. They're about to start playing uh, hardball. So here it says: it says in the morning after they ate and drank, he's already given away all the gifts, right? Right. 
Eliezer wanted to go back to his master. So he's like, all right, it's time to go. So now the reality is setting in, right? The family's like, wait a second, hang on. And so Rebecca's mother and brother wanted her to stay a few days, at least 10, and then she could go. See, the 10 days again. You got 10 camels. You got 10 days, like the 10 days of all. A minion's 10. Right. 10 lost tribes. Oh, by the way, they're not lost. (laughs) No. God knows where they're at. Yes, he does. And, and, and so, wow, so, so we see this happening now, playing out. See, everything's coming together, and now there's a little glitch. There is. There's a little glitch. So this would be the first wrench in the spokes. And so I can see that there's a little bit of a contentious moment here, or maybe at least an awkward silence after they say this. They want to keep her for 10 days. And so here's what they decide on. In verses 57 and 58, it says here, And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? Now here we go. Everybody's waiting. What's going to happen? Are they going to stay for 10 days? Are we going to change our minds and keep the gold? But here's what she says. She said, I will go. Praise God. Isn't that great? Oh, my gosh. You know, that's so so interesting, Ryan. You know, uh, when, when I offered, you know, uh, to take Danielle's hand in marriage on October 19th, 1997, in a hotel room in a, in a round circle, to confess my love for Danielle, you know, you could hear a gasp. Yeah, that's a big step. Because I, I bent my, I bowed my head, I bent over like this, and I just, I just prayed, Lord, and I just, I said a prayer that I love Danielle. I have to commend you. That's some bold move. Well, either I'm crazy, or it's God. Well, and put it this way, either but those were the steps. But here's the thing: either you get a wife, or they ask you not to come back. I mean, those are <laughs> the two oh, it's options. Like, oh, no way. I'm like, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> this is not of God. Right. So they brought both of us up. And they came before the parents and they prayed for us. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing was, you know, I went out and hit the streets of Jerusalem like John Travolta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can get down by the way out. And I had my friend Jeff with me. And we were, and I was like on top of it, the world, man. Like, yeah, I I, this has gone down. This is incredible. Yeah. In Jerusalem during Tabernacles, Sukkot. Oh, man. I'm confessing my love for dead. You can't, you can't even make this stuff yeah, up. Yeah, because you're probably hanging on to that oh, and man. holding it. Guess what they did? What they did take it? Danielle up to the room and they grill her. And they say, listen, how do you really feel about this? She says, well, I love Nick. Aww. I've always loved him. I didn't tell anybody. Aww. She didn't tell her sister. And wow. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. So it was like the right time. So we kept it special. Yeah. So the enemy couldn't taint it. Yeah. Because it was special. And a lot of people were blown away. Like, I bet. What? I bet. What? I bet. So I only tell you that story because, like I said, because it's I, a great story. I feel like Eliezer, <laughs> to, to some degree, like, hey, everything's clicking, everything's working, you know. And so here we go. So I can really relate to the story. Yeah, that's so, good. Oh yeah, that's good. Twenty-one years. Twenty-one years. Wow. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. So this is cool. Uh, it looks like Eliezer uh, was very successful in his journey. And so far, everything's gone through. They thought they were going to have a hiccup, but they ended up not having a hiccup. And uh, Rebecca agrees to go, and they even send a handmaiden with her. What are the nurses? Is it like a nanny, a uh, caregiver? I would say it's a handmaid. Uh, somebody, cool. somebody to help her. And, and actually, I believe, because I was reading through the verses, and I believe there's a part here that says that she had multiple damsels with her. So she actually took, I think, an entourage with her. Um, an entourage yeah, like that. Which, entourage. which is good. So that's, that's uh, verse My 59. My wife could use a nurse. Well, let's, you We're know. We're going to have a midwife here pretty soon. Ah, uh, yeah. Another daughter. Yeah. I like the name Rebecca. Rebecca. But the thing is, it means like a noose. Yeah? Yeah. That's the name. Okay, well. Like, she got Isaac, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, you can look it up for yourself. Public records. So here's what's cool. So so um, one of the things that is cool is about who Rebecca is. Uh, let's listen. Let's read verse uh, chapter 24, verse 60. And it's this I'll, is a blessing. It is. This is an awesome blessing that her oh, family yeah. speaks over her as she's getting ready to leave. It says here, and they blessed Rebecca and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Wow. So Isaac is the promise. Isaac is the manifestation of God's promise to Abraham. Amen. And now his wife, too, is blessed. And the same blessing that has been spoken over Abraham and Isaac, one of those blessings has now been spoken over Rebekah, that she would possess the gate of her enemy and that she'd have a uncountable uh, offspring. Praise God. And but but think the thing about it though, Ryan, is this: let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. You know, a, a gate is a position of influence. Who goes in and who goes out? You know, back in medieval times, they had castles, right? You right, had cities. Right. Yeah. You had, even in Jericho, who comes in and who goes out? You know, hey, some men came into the city. We hear that some men came, in, and they were doing this investigation. Oh no, no. Well, yeah, but they they left. You know, remember that was uh, yeah. Rahab said that. Remember? Right. 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 So, right. Right. So I want to say this though. In Psalm 127, it says this, happy is the man, in Psalm 127, verse 5, I love this, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Mm -hmm. So this is positions of influence. See, this is what we need right now, even in our government. We need some morals and some values, but a gate is very important. Remember that Lot was at the gate when the angels came. Right, right, right. Of Sodom and Gomorrah, remember that. And so a gate is, is very, very important. And so yeah. I'm going to let you continue on in this story, Mike. We well, were I'm just so thankful. You know, I was thinking last night, and I was we were talking amongst the congregation, and one of the things that, that just has come to me that I've realized is that, you know, Isaac is the promise. He's also a picture of Messiah, right? You know, he carried the wood up the hill. You know, he— the types he, and shadows. Right, yeah. right. He uh, was, you know, a willing sacrifice. He's the son. He's around the same age as Yeshua when all that went he down. He did carry the wood, didn't he? He did. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he carried the wood. and Like the cross. Like the cross. Made of wood. Right. Wow. And so you consider these things and these similarities, but then the Messiah, right, he wants a bride. God has a bride that he's calling out. And so Rebecca, as you already mentioned, is a picture of that bride. But think about it. This bride checks the boxes, right? She's She comes from a good family. She's a virgin. She's beautiful. She's a hard worker, right? That's right. She was at the well. She's kind and generous, right? At the well. She's a hard She's worker. A worker. So all of these things are awesome pictures of the bride. But what's the reality here? We're looking at this from trying to parallel, and we're claiming ourselves as the bride. i got to be honest with you. I don't know that I checked the boxes the way that Rebecca checks you, the boxes. Did you get anybody some water? Well, Would you like a glass of water? Well, meaning— That's like the spirit of Rebecca. You know, we could take all of these things in some symbolic manner, but, I mean— talking about that she's beautiful, she's a virgin. I mean, I, th- I think that there's a part of us, we're not sinless. We're not the, the prepared bride the way, that, um, the way that Rebecca was and the way that I think that we're called to be. It's only through Yeshua. Because, you know, when we read in, um, in uh, Galatians where it talks about if you be in Christ, but it's talking in those verses about putting on Christ, that we wear Christ, and that God sees us with his righteousness, with the righteousness of Christ. And so how can we be the bride of Christ except through the faith in Yeshua and the imputed righteousness that comes from From that? Right. And so that's a huge deal because without Yeshua, we we don't get to be the bride. It just doesn't work. You don't get to be 
the one that God is calling out, the bride that has made herself ready for when the Messiah comes, without the faith in what Yeshua has already done for us, the work that he's done. So that was a, a big deal. And then it, it also reminds me that through all of this, what Yeshua has done, that if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, I don't know about you, but like I read through here in this Torah portion, and there's, uh, you know, right here in uh, chapter 23, verse 7, it says, uh, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Here's the deal. We get to be the seed through Yeshua. How? Because we're his bride. Right. So the seed, of the seed of Abraham is Yeshua. And there's a promise. And the seed of Abraham is also the faith of Abraham, right? So this right. You, you have to be the complete package in order to get the inheritance. That's true. Guess what? Through Christ, we are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise of chapter 24, verse 7. Unto thy seed will I give this... This... Promise? Land? 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 Promise? I will give this land. And so the whole idea here is that, again, we have to be attaining to the promise. The promise is the land. We have to be fighting for Jewish sovereignty over the land of Israel. This has to be a cause that we pick up. And I think a lot of us, we read these things, and it's up here in, in, in our brains, right? Up here in the brain, we get it. Yeah. But it's got to drop 18 inches. you got to get it into here. Because and once there, it goes from here to here. And that's the thing, Ryan. Once the Torah is written in your mind and your heart, then you can actually move to the next level you know the, the woman at the well kind of thing you know it, it sounds so nice that she's beautiful she's a virgin you know here's rebecca yeah and then of course what do we do we have jacob finds who at the well rachel right well we're, we're more like and she's ooh la la pretty we're, shepherdess we're more like the woman that yeshua finds at the well, well. See, that's what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah and moses goes to the well and then jesus comes he meets us the woman at the well married five times yeah that's and that's us living boyfriend so right how cool is that? You know, and I love The Chosen, the very last episode, episode yeah, eight. Yeah, eight, yeah. You got to see that. That's a plug for any of you that haven't watched The Chosen. Yeah. It's free. You can download it on your phone or whatever you want to do. Uh, I purchased the DVDs, but uh, episode eight is about the woman at the well and stuff. It's very good. But we're going to move on to the story here with Ryan. We are. All right. So Isaac was in the field at evening time to meditate when he saw the caravan of camels coming with Rebecca. And that's chapter 24, verse 63. And in verse 65, when Rebecca was told that the man approaching her was Isaac, she took a veil and covered herself. Now check this out. Isaac is in the field. He's, he was out probably doing the Lord's work, and now he's out there meditating, enjoying the evening as the sun goes down. And he knew to be out there. And he knew to be out there. And he sees the caravan coming. And he doesn't just, it's not just like somebody coming, oh, we'll wait for them to come. Think about the timing of that, Ryan. He didn't get an email. No, text. That's right. Smoke signals. Nothing. Well, it's proof that if you're doing what God has called you to do and you're in communion with the Lord, you'll be in the right place at the right time. It's like we can just wait outside and just wait wait for the Jewish people to come down with your pine crust. They come to our church. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Just, just sit outside and wait for them. Here they come. <laughs> and you know what? When she came, he didn't just you know wait for them to come to him. He ran out to meet her, and that's why she has to put the veil on. But it says here, and Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. There's the tent. Remember the prophecy, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Mm -hmm. 
that Japheth would be persuaded to go into Shem's tent. Right. It's a prophecy. And Canaan will serve them too. Right. So just like when I put the tent up of Shem, Japheth goes into the tent. Yeah. So see, look what happens here. So now what's Rebecca doing? She was in her own little world. She was up north. And now she's in the right tent. That's right. That's right. And now she's taking over as, you know, queen of, of the, you know, the legacy of Abraham. Um, so I'm sure Abraham was lonely, Ryan. Yeah. And he's like, hey, my son has a wife. And you know what? I'm lonely. Yeah. And you know what? I still got it. <laughs> what happens, Ryan? What, does, what, what, what transpires? Because love is in the air. <laughs> Abraham decides that he's going to go find a wife after Sarah's death. And her name is Keturah. Keturah, can I take it from here? You, you know can, what? The only thing I want to say about Keturah you, you is, say whatever you is her name means fumigation, but more so like a pleasant smell. Right. Right. That's like, true. Like That's she's true. She's like Keturah. A, yeah, smells good or whatever. So Keturah bore Abraham six sons, and one of them was Midian, bum, 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 who became the Midianites. Wow, the family's expanding now. More trouble, more cousins. Yeah. So Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, Yitzhak, right? His name means laughter. Abraham gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from Isaac, his son. Abraham was 175 years old when he died. And, of course, uh, what do you want to say about that? Uh, making some points, Ryan, that he's making a, 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 a distinction. You know, I, I said this before, and I'll say it again. When you read these stories, you've got some action-packed heroes in here. Oh, yeah. They're just going down the line here. Whoa, this, Abraham's doing this. And, and then, of course, then you have Abraham's, ge- or Abraham's line over here, his brothers. Just a genealogy. Right. Nothing going on. No stories. Right. Here you go. The active and the inactive. Right. Active versus inactive. So those of you that are listening, I think you're active Amen. part of the family. You're just not right. So Abraham dies at 175 years old. Uh, Sarah, you mentioned, died at 127. That number 127, there's 127 provinces in uh, the book of Esther. Wow. So it mentions that number. I don't know if there's any connection there. If you're listening to this or you're watching this and you know of why the 127 parallels with the book of Esther. And 1 plus 2 plus 7 equals what? 10. I can't even make that up. I know. That's a little deep, I know. It is. So, But here's what I wanted to say. When you read these stories, in uh, especially in the book of Genesis, we're going through and we're completing the story of Abraham. And even though we seem to be dealing with Isaac, the Isaac's marriage to Rebekah is the fulfillment right, of a promise given to Abraham. And so we're, we're finishing Abraham's story with the fact that his last wishes, so to speak, were fulfilled, that, that um, Isaac would find a, uh, a bride, that it would come from his family, That's that, true. And that this seed would be maintained for posterity. 175 years old. I know. Well, he was only, what, 140? Okay. So when... He was 140 when Isaac got married. So yeah, but when Sarah 35 died, years. how old was he? 137. So there's three so, years in between. So he's 10 years older. He's 10 years older than Sarah, See, correct? I'm 12 years older than my wife. Because ah. I was trying to kind of follow in his footsteps. Yeah, you were. You know, get the young bride. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see. I, I get it. They call it what? Sugar daddy? Um, they call it something, but I, I think. And if the woman's older than the male, it's a, called a cougar. Cougar. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Teach his own. You know, I'm good. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> I, my wife and I are 11 months apart, so. Yeah, that's sweet. That's but, she, but I've been asked if she's my daughter because apparently I look old. Wow. I know, I know. It was only happened one time, but it, it, uh, it happened nonetheless. And it happens. It it's did. just It shouldn't happen though. Yeah. Well, what it means is that when my wife is 65, I'm gonna have to hide her from Pharaoh. 
So that's what that means. <laughs> there you go. So, anyways, keep keep going there. I don't think I had anything else there. Well, anyway, so Isaac and Ishmael buried their father Abraham in the cave of Machpelah where Sarah was buried. So this is going to be a burial plot, very important spot. Oh, and by the way, remember Hebron was the capital for Israel under King David for a period of time. Uh, and so uh, also God blessed Isaac after the death of his father Abraham. Ishmael had 12 sons, and they were considered princes. And Ishmael was 137 years old when he died. So here's a part of the family that we're just looking over, Ishmael. And, of course, Ishmael's name means God hears. That's right. See, God loves the Arabs, okay? He does. And so when we look at the promises made, of course, uh, you know, to, to Ishmael, and, his, you know, and then of course, what happens? They become, what, uh, 12 sons. They were considered princes. Well, and that's a they direct a fulfillment. Too. That's a direct fulfillment of God's promise to Ishmael. Right. But, you know, as far as the promise goes, it had to be between Abraham and Sarah. And this Torah portion is about Sarah. That's right. So once again, it had to be Abraham and Sarah to receive this promise for Isaac, not Abraham and Hagar. And that's the controversy today that they say Ishmael's the rightful heir because Abraham and Hagar made Ishmael. And I can understand that. It's I can understand election, it. You know, there's a controversy just galore. Yeah. And it, 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 oh, a technicality. But we have to look at what God's word says, that Isaac is the heir in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Bible. Well, so you can't twist that or pervert that. Here, let me help you. That's all I'm saying. Chapter 21 of the Genesis, go ahead, go ahead, read it. verse 12, finishes out this way. It says, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Because it says, And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, referring to um, to, to Ishmael. Because Abraham loved Ishmael. Ishmael was Abraham's son. And so he says, And because of thy bondwoman, in all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So we're following the seed. The seed is Messiah. The seed is Yeshua. And so the line has to be protected. God preordained this to happen in this way. And so it's important that we recognize that the promised seed is Isaac and the fulfillment comes through Isaac and none other. That's good. That's good. So in closing here, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Chaya Sarah, Life of Sarah, uh, Genesis chapter 23, verse 1, all the way through chapter 25, verse 18, from a consensus of Ryan and Pastor Nick. Okay, I'd like to just give one. Okay. There's two, but I, I just want to give one. When something dies, something is birthed. Amen. Uh, I'll tell you something else that goes along with that saying. When somebody leaves the table, it allows somebody else to come to the table. Right. So if you're wondering, why don't you have the right personnel on your team or this or that, it's because nobody's left the table. Just like when, when Susie Pruitt was our worship leader and she stepped down, mm -hmm. she left the table to, to seek after God's will and for her new chapter in her life. Sure. My son Josiah comes in and comes to the table. Amen. And it's the whole dynamics of it all. Yeah. So we have to remember that somebody leaves the table, then somebody can come to the table. I've seen this time and time again that, that our staff just keeps getting better and better and better. Mo better, I mean, Mo really better. and truly, yeah. uh, because God is putting the dream team together. He sure is. Team Israel. No, absolutely. So uh, for me, mine is, um, the first one is, a man who has a wife has a good thing. Amen? Um, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is the one where Isaac um, marries Rebecca, and it says that 
he was comforted after his mother's death. And so if I'm ever down and I'm not feeling great or whatever, if I'm ever going to seek comfort anywhere, I don't go to the bar and get a drink. You know what I mean? I go to my wife, you know, because she's a comfort to me. You know, and you I know, think that's, that that's a beautiful story, Ryan. I would is. love to say that, but there's all these children in the way of me getting to my wife. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I just, I mean, even if it's just a conversation, my wife is uh, very astute, right? She has insights that I don't have. Um, she's a great help me. That's uh, true. The Holy Spirit definitely speaks to me through her. And, you and, know? And, and I'm sure she speaks freely, Ryan. Oh, does she? Because you know what? My wife speaks freely. <laughs> and I listen. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm taking it all in because I don't want to bring harm to my family or anything. And, and that's the cool thing about a marriage. You can't force your will on the other spouse. You have to come to some agreement yeah. of what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And that's the cool thing. So My second point was that um, it's important to recognize the legal nature of the deeds that are recorded here in the Bible. These are recordings of events that happened with witnesses, and it is a way for us to know who owns the pieces of land that are referenced here. And there's zero doubt that God owns them all and that he has left the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to be the stewards of that land. You know, um, my stepfather-in-law, Timothy Colbo, said something very profound at, at prayer, and he was talking about um, you can only have faith when you know God's will. So hmm. you can believe in whatever you want, but without faith it's impossible to please God. So you can only have true faith when you know the will of God. Hmm. So I thought, that was, that's deep. Yeah. Because you can believe whatever. But what are you believing for? Oh, man, I can't tell you how many times I, I see people, well-meaning Christians, like especially like post things on social media, and I just want to be like, um, did, did you have a Bible? You know, and it just makes you wonder. You know, if you look at all these uh, elections that have taken place in America, you know, and all the different dynamics of it, even some presidents getting assassinated, you know, uh, President Ronald Reagan was shot and survived. You know, yeah. uh, Teddy Roosevelt was shot and still gave a speech. You know, oh man. So, so what I'm saying is that you know I don't wish harm on 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 Joe Biden or Kamala no, Harris. No, absolutely not. We need to really, really use them as prayer targets and pray for them. Pray for them and lift them up because here's the thing: God's in control, Ryan. Yeah. And we can't feel like, man, we got ripped off, or I got ripped off, or my person didn't get in office because you know what? That's immaturity. Because we need to study the scriptures. And, and, and matter of fact, Peter even made mention to pray for your leaders. And at that time, Nero was the emperor, burning Christians at the stake. Oy vey. And even John Bevere makes mention of this in, through his ministry and his, his teachings. Know, teachings, you yeah. know, that we have to pray for all leaders. We yes. have to pray and lift them up. Yes, that book, Undercover. Know? Yeah, Absolutely. Yep. Because that way, you know, you're in right standing. If it be possible, be at peace with all men. And it actually talks about making prayers and supplications and being at peace. Yeah. Not being a troublemaker, you know. And isn't it interesting that even with this election, I, I find this fascinating. Where are the Trump rioters? Where's the Republican Party <laughs> busting down windows? They're fighting in court. <laughs> I know, but I'm yeah. just saying that. Have you noticed there's like a calm? There is, absolutely. But why is that? Because I'm telling you, the other side, that's a spirit. It is. Looting, pillaging, yeah. you know, militias that they, they take arms and they're going to shoot you or whatever. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking to myself— Wow, that's a spirit on somebody. It absolutely And who is. wants to go to that event? Well, just imagine if this does, in fact, get overturned, what will happen. Um, oh you know, gosh. we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for, for people to receive peace. And we want to pray for transparency. The worst thing that could happen 
is that this process lacks transparency and that we don't get to have both sides in some form or fashion understanding that whatever the count ends up being, that it was fair. And I'll tell you what, Ryan, in, in all honesty, you know, there are three branches of government. So yeah. Joe Biden's going to have to really go through a lot of different things to pass whatever he wants to pass. Well, Even and uh, I have the House. He doesn't yeah. have the Senate. And you have the Supreme Court. That's right. You have states' rights versus federal rights. So, so you've got a lot of things in play here that hopefully, you know, uh, it'll all work out. So well, we'll close with some prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Father God, we just love you, and we just thank you for your word, God. We thank you for our matriarch, Sarah. We thank you for her life. We thank you for uh, the birth and marriage of Isaac, God. We're just so grateful that we have promises that have been passed through this family that you had chosen, Father, to, to write these things down through Moses and to give them to us. And so we're just, we just love you. And we thank you that the promises are good today, that the Torah is relevant for today, that you've given us a, a voice and, a, and an unction through the Holy Spirit to, to preach this word and to, to send out this message, Father. And just may your people receive it and only the things that are of you, God. We love you and we thank you. And we pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 All right, guys. Thank you for watching. If you guys want to reach out to me, it's Ryan at twopraise.net. Ryan at twopraise.net. You can also comment uh, on any of our social media platforms at Christians with Torah, either on YouTube or on Facebook. We love you. Have a great week.